welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in health IT. And our guest today is Puneet Soni. He's CEO of Suki. Welcome back, Puneet. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's been a couple of years since we talked. Uh, you know, pretty provocative uh, you know, discussion last time. So excited for this one. But for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself in Suki. Sure. Uh, my name is Puneet Soni. I'm the CEO and founder of, uh, uh, of Suki. Suki is a voice-based digital assistant for doctors. Um, like, think of it like a Siri, but for doctors. Um, like Siri and Alexa have skills, Suki has skills too. It can do clinical documentation. It can do coding. It can do data retrieval. You can ask questions like, Suki, what orders does this patient have or what medications are they taking or do they have any allergies? And Suki can answer that for you. The whole purpose is to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible so that clinicians, you know, doctors, MAs, PAs today, nurses tomorrow, uh, as we build the product out, can focus on what matters, which is patients. So yep. glad to be here. Definitely. Well, I, I, you know, I actually have an article coming out tomorrow from when we're recording that says, this is the most exciting thing since the $36 billion of stimulus for EHR. So I guess that shows where I feel about it. But uh, you know, talk to us about how has the product and maybe the vision of Suki changed since we last talked and, and maybe how has your view of ambient clinical voice evolved as well? Absolutely. Um, I stand by what I said last time. I think that the way we were doing ambient at that point was not viable. Um, Suki has always believed that if you want to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible, you have to make something that's pure software that can be deployed at scale, that can be then used at a price point that um, you are, whether you're a family practice person or an orthopedics person, orthopedics uh, surgeon or somebody else, you should be able to use it. And uh, putting humans behind the loop to actually clean up the data and then paste that into the EHRs is not a very scalable system. That's basically virtual scribes. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but that's not AI. I would say since then, data has progressed, AI has progressed, generative AI models have come into play, and uh, ambient pure play, pure software ambient clinical documentation is a reality now, and it can be done. Um, so if you think about Suki, how has our product strategy changed? Not really much. We said we would build a digital assistant for doctors. We said it would have three skills, clinical documentation, coding, and data retrieval. In clinical documentation, today we are the only solution in the market that you can use to dictate, give it commands. You can say, create a new clinical node, insert this, change that, submit the node, or put it in ambient mode. So just put it there between a doctor and a patient and it will generate suggestions for you that you can then accept and submit to the EHR. So the theory, the framework is the same. The use cases are the same. Large language models have obviously come into play but vanilla large language models don't really help. You have to still tune these models, use the right data, use EHR data in a way that you can actually build something that's much more accurate and relevant to the encounter patient and doctor under consideration. So exciting times, lots sure. going on, but also the tip of the iceberg. 
<laughs> it is interesting, right? It, because it, because it is such you know it's here now, as as you kind of said, and it's available to be used and uh, and experienced. So, uh, but but we are still at the beginning. You know, you talked about I think some differences, uh, you know, between yourself and some of the others. But how else do you think your solution compares to others? Like, I mean, we've had nuances, DAX, DAX Express. Although I think it's called DAX Copilot now. They can't keep up. AWS HealthScribe, Ambience Healthcare, OnPoint yeah. Healthcare Solutions. I could go on and on, right? But, uh, you know, how do you think it compares? I mean, I think the the command one is interesting versus the ambient. That That's one element. Anything else that you think kind of differentiates? Yeah. I'll start by making a philosophical point, then I'll go into the four things that actually I think are different and actually the four things that you should be looking at when you look at this space. Philosophically, first of all, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Every three months, a new company pops out that says it's going to do clinical documentation. You know, in some ways you feel like a genius because five years ago you started a company in this space and now everybody is starting a company in this space. On the other side, the question to ask is, is it all the same? Does it really even matter? Are they all interchangeable? Let's say there are about 20 odd companies now that actually say they do this. In my humble opinion, the primary question to ask is can you deploy this product safely, securely with data centricity, compliance, privacy taken care of in enterprise health systems at scale and redundancy that actually is deserving of the infrastructure and people and patients who go to those health systems? which is where the majority of the revenue in the, in the country in healthcare is. Sure. Now, of those 20 odd small companies that have popped up, in my opinion, there's probably only two and a half companies today that actually can deploy in large enterprise health systems. The reason this matters is that if you're a small group somewhere and you want to actually pick a solution, you probably want to take a look not just at scalability and AI and all of those things, but you also want to make sure your data is going to the right place, that you're in compliance, that the data is not retained in any way that's actually harmful, et cetera. So number one, philosophically, this is a noisy space, but actually there's only two and a half companies in my opinion, Nuance being one, us being another, there could be something else that might pop out that actually literally will run into in large health systems, period. That competition hasn't really changed much, even with the advent of all of the work that's happening. So that's one comment. Now the quick you know, rundown on the four things that make Suki different. Yeah. Better or worse, let the market decide. Different, I can point out. So number one, we are the only solution in the market that can do dictation, commands, and ambient in the same application. This matters because doctors don't necessarily only use one or the other. Depending on situation, they might use all sorts of modalities. It should all work together. Number two, we are the only solution in the market which actually breaks down these suggestions and provide them in a user interface where they can click to accept. So they are in control of the discrete data and suggestions, not necessarily just the entire note as a blob. And you're able to click to accept, swipe to dismiss, or use voice and edit it very seamlessly. This matters because if the clinician is not in the control of the output of the AI, you cannot control what shows up in the system of record, and then the downstream impact of that is pretty high. So that's number two. Number three is that we, for every single AI engineer that I have in the team, there are at least two engineers who work on plumbing. 
what that matters is we have the most detailed EHR integration in the market with Epic, with Cerner, with Athena. About two weeks ago, we announced a, a, a partnership with Meritech. So with Meritech, this is not the same as, oh, I'll take your schedule and show you stuff. This is actually almost like Google Docs. You can write a note in Suki or start a note in Suki. You can finish it in Epic. You can blend the two and they will show up. Depending, no matter where you start and where you end, the content blends, discrete data is, is populated exactly the way as if a human was doing it. This, in my opinion, is the single biggest challenge in actual adoption of AI in, in health systems, which is EHR integration, compliance, privacy, secure. So that's number three. Fourth, we are pure software. Um, and most of the stack is built homegrown. I have my own speech recognition system. I use third party and first party, but I have more, my own. I have my own intent extractors. I have 22 patents in this stack that we have actually accumulated over the years. And the reason all this matters is because the cost structure is closer to what a compute cost would be, which is why our price point is much lower than what you would expect an enterprise-grade solution to be in the market. Look at Nuance's price point, for example. So those are the four reasons. And I think the four things that you should always cross-check when you go and talk to somebody who's offering ambient solutions. Do you have deep EHR integration and enterprise scalability? Number one, deep, not like just schedule, et cetera. Number two, does the AI, is the clinician in control of the output of the AI? Does that actually work? Number three, it's pure software. Does it use any humans? If it's pure software, what part of the stack you own and where does the data go? Because that actually will explain to you what the price point of this will be. Um, so that matters. And then, of course, number four, well, am I going to have to work with three different companies, one for dictation, one for commands, and one for ambient? Or is this going to be a whole speech AI layer on top of that's used by my entire clinicians? I suspect you'll find there's only one company that does all of the same. Yeah, let's dive into a couple of those things because I think those are some big differentiation points. Uh, you know, one, let's just make it clear how much of this, you know, your solution is automated with technology versus humans. It sounds like it's full technology, no humans, right? I've never had a human being in the loop uh, in the product. And that's actually why my price point has always been very yeah. different and available to everybody. Yeah. And I've often said that we need it because we need the price point down and we need the real-time clinical decision support that needs to happen rather than waiting an hour to get the documentation. So, and then, now, you know, how, how are you integrated with the EHR? Talk a little bit more about that. And, and also, I think you are unique in that you have your own app and, and you talked a little bit about that seamless play between your app or Epic or Cerner, Meditech, et cetera, that you're integrated with. Uh, you know, talk about, so, you know, they can use the app to do it. They can use the EHR. T talk more about that integration. Awesome questions. You know, it's always a pleasure talking to you because you truly do understand the space and the questions that you ask are very detailed and thoughtful. The EHR integration to be able to do effective. So first of all, yes, we have our own application surface area. Let's take Epic for, for, for a minute. Yep. It will matter that people are able to use Suki on a mobile app um, or they can use it on a computer on a web app. Or if somebody just wants to dictate, they can use a Windows app. Or if they're at home, they can pull up Suki on a Mac app and be using it. We are actually deploying a Chrome extension, so that will be another. So we have five different form factors, right? iOS, Android, web, 
Windows, Mac, Chrome extension, you can keep, no matter where you are, you can use Suki. Some people will then say, all of this is great, but I also want to use it within Epic. So what if actually, you know, something like the Haiku app has an interface that allows us to actually trigger Suki. That's something that Epic has said that they actually want to do in general. And that's something we're working with Epic too. To me, if you are going to put a stance together, which, is, which, is, which says that there is only one way that you should use a product, you're going to lose a lot of doctors because clinically they have their work, workflows they have set up over decades and they will work the way they work. So we have to meet them where they are, which is why you have to have all these form factors, including integrations into EHRs. In Meditech, we have a Chrome extension that overlays on top of Meditech so that you can use it in ambient and the information shows up in Meditech. That's another way of actually integrating or embedding. So first point is you need to have all these form factors and you need to think of your surface area and the EHR surface area as a continuum and doctors will use whatever they want to use. So that's one point. Now on EHR integration, regardless of which surface area you use, the data has to show up in the right place and inside the EHR. This does not necessarily mean just like, you know, patient context or schedule. It it's also means that the dump to the EHR, <laughs> right? No, yeah, or a PDF dump to an EHR, which is not enough. Yeah. You need to be able to put history where history goes. You need to, if it's Athena, then section-wise, you put review systems where review system goes. Where you have problems, you put problems. If you have IC10 codes, you have recommended. They need to show up in the right place so the revenue cycle actually follows. All of this work has to be done, regardless of whether the doctor started from Suki started from an EHR and ended in Suki, start, did a pre-charting flow where they had somebody else do it and they pulled it in. No matter what happens, the data has to show up in the right place. EHR integration that actually can enable pre-charted content, blended content, start and end in one place content, emergency medicine or urgent care flows, telehealth flows. We are launching inpatient next week in a big release, inpatient flows ambulatory flows, all of this has to work. Then somebody should be able to say they have done EHR integration. Hmm. Interesting. So and in my humble us. opinion, yeah, actually, ahead. this is a little bit of a surprise for me. In my humble opinion, even nuance is not close, you know, to doing this. I don't know how they have access and relationships with EHRs better than us, but they're not there. And so we are probably the only ones who can actually say we have this wide variety of EHR integrations available for supporting workflows of clinicians. Interesting. So talk to us about the workflow of a clinician. What does that look like? It sounds like there's multiple. So maybe what, what are some of the common workflows that you see? Are, are you seeing them, you know, with a, a phone and they turn on the ambient? Are you seeing them using desktops? Like talk about, you know, what, what yeah. should they expect if they're a user that wants to use Suki? Yeah, I mean, one common workflow is you you are in, in the EHR when you're talking to the patient and, uh, you know, nurse bef before came before or somebody came and they pre-charted a little bit. You walked in, you put your phone there, you just tap the Suki badge and, and put it in ambient, then you have a conversation. And once you're finished with the conversation, you pick up the phone and basically you select a note type, your note type, the way you like your note, and then basically it will take the patient context. It will take your writing style. It will take your note type. And it will then use all of this information along with the audio of the encounter to generate suggestions. You look at the suggestions, 
you tap tap to accept you swipe one away you insert using voice a normal review of systems you change like one line because there's something specific you wanted to say by using a change command and then you say suki submit and then when you go to the ehr it's all laid out in the right places at the end of the day and you sign it this is a relatively common flow the the nurse who had actually done some pre charting it automatically suki will pull it in when you actually do these recommendations so that it blends with the ehr content the pre charted content and the recommendations prior problems might be pulled in because you've already dealt with that and then so on and so forth so we meet them where they are this is a very common workflow but to be honest you know we have thousands and thousands of doctors and somehow i feel like we have hundreds and hundreds of different ways in which these <laughs> folks use the product every doctor wants to be their own little snowflake right uh which i guess is now a political term but <laughs> yeah, yeah be careful with that <laughs> yeah exactly no intent there but uh the does a clinician have to change the way that they're talking with Suki in the exam room to make it work? What are you experiencing there that, you know, is, is it that pure ambient thing or, or do you see an evolution of how they see the patient? I always find it interesting to hear how this changes. There is, think of it in terms of dialogue and monologue. So when you and I are talking, we're just talking. It's really, you know, at some point of time, it's a human tendency you're going to just have a discussion we do recommend that you be more detailed so that you can actually express everything that you want to talk about um than not if you actually have ambient technology in the room suki is listening to you and doing stuff but beyond that we don't really ask for much now sometimes what happens is there are certain things you don't really want to talk about it's in your head and then you basically just pause suki the patient leaves you unpause it and then you basically do what i call a monologue i think it's the same as like a case presentation oh, where you basically say well you know for that last patient here's the other thing i was thinking change this one thing and uh, um, i think what we're going to do for the plan is also add this this information because we found that these particular numbers were not right like that kind of stuff suki stop so now you did dialogue you did monologue it takes all of that it takes your 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 personality and your writing style and how you do things and it takes the the patient's context and then it will generate recommendations when then later on you see the recommendations and you want to edit it then you just speak naturally again you say well can you change abdomen to be distended and tender or uh, change this one thing here you just talk to it and it will make those changes so relatively natural i can't say the ambient part is supernatural the monologue part is like case presentation that doctors do the commands are relatively natural you still have to be you know be careful and mindful that there's no really high background noise or something and when you're when you're giving that command interesting so talk to us about the accuracy of the solution i i think that's you know reasonable skepticism by doctors that it will actually work uh, maybe anyone that used voice recognition in the early days uh, has battle scars or something yep. <laughs> around the quality so talk to us about where we're at you know and how you measure the accuracy of your solution three metrics that matter and actually we're going to we're going to kick off a proper pure play neutral academic study because actually one of the things that um, we're noticing is it's very important as with the advent of ai to have quantitative metrics to express the accuracy of ai 
rather than just a you know subjective kind of point of views on where things are going to be. Now, when it comes to the speech stack, there are three metrics that matter. One is what is the accuracy of the speech recognition system (ASR). Um, the second is what is the accuracy of the command intent extractor. How often does it understand your commands and how, how often does it misrepresent or doesn't get it? And then finally, there is a third one which we have actually created and we use pretty actively inside. It's called acceptance rate, AI suggestion acceptance rate. Because Suki suggests on a per, within a note based on sections, different discrete data, we ca calculate and measure how many of these are accepted by the doctor and how many are dismissed or edited. And then we keep track of that number. Interestingly enough, this number changes based on specialty. Hmm. This number changes based on the kind of the portion of the note. History has different numbers. Review of system has different numbers. But the number generally, if it's below 60 to 70%, cognitively, you're spending more time dismissing and editing suggestions than accepting it, then the AI is not very strong. In my opinion, it's not really working out. But still early days. So... On speech recognition, we are at industry standard. Industry standard means, you know, people will come up with all sorts of numbers, but 92 to 95% is generally the industry standard uh, on these things. On, on intent extractors, we have published this, we're at 99.5%. It's actually exactly pretty much the same ballpark as a Google Assistant intent extractor. Not that complicated, by the way, to get to that number if you have the right models because doctors tend to have only 20 to 30 workflows they repeat again and again, but we are at 99.5%. Now, on the acceptance rates, these numbers keep evolving for us, but today the general average number we have is around 84.3% acceptance rate for our AI suggestions. When we dig deeper, we find that for something like history of present illness, the number is about 91, 92%. And then there are places in the problem area where we are probably closer to 78 to 79%. That's an area where we need to do more work, put more data and more tuning. So this is generally the spectrum we are seeing. We are going to probably publish publicly these numbers um, because I think it will prompt the rest of the industry to consider publishing similar numbers so we can actually have a quantitative discussion rather than you know, based on present perception. No, it's interesting. And, and it's interesting to see it broken out those three ways. Uh, well, and many don't have the prompt uh, solution. So that that's a <laughs> one challenge. You, you right. mentioned the specialty differences, you know, talk about how your product works. Does it work for every specialty? What, what are you seeing in that regard? Is there some specialties that are, you know, better and that you're focused on, or do you want it to work for everyone? When we publish from a marketing perspective, we say we work for 30 plus specialties. Um, in, my, in my understanding, we work much better for certain specialties than others. And as time goes by, those other specialties will catch up. Um, the, I'll talk a little bit about what working better versus not means and what kind of things you do to make it better. And then I can talk about the specialties. So, Working better means, in the simplest way to say, is acceptance rate is very high. The general AI suggestion acceptance rate is very high. Now, if you're talking about a, a clinician who has basically nothing, even 80% acceptance makes them supremely happy. So I'm not correlating this to NPS. NPS is a whole different story. You can get really happy people with, with things that still need to be improved right now. Sure. 
but acceptance rate in general being very high is the number I look at. The way you make these numbers go high over time is by training, first of all, the ASR to understand the terminology of particular specialties. Actually not a very complicated problem to solve. And then once you have done that, then using the context, note types, structure, oncology is a very different structure from cardiology to family practice, to tune and train the models so that they can actually present content that's closer to that particular specialty. And then you're able to kind of like modify. Now we have millions of patient encounters, obviously cleaned up, anonymized uh, to be able to train these things. But, you know, depending upon what your user base is, it's smarter in certain areas. In certain areas, it still needs more data. In Suki, we have seen family practice to be a slam dunk. It just works. We have also seen sub-surgical specialties where we generally have large swath of user bases, orthopedics being one, cardiology being another. Oddly enough, we have, for some reason, a lot of ophthalmologists, that being another. It's actually pretty good. It's pretty, pretty up there. OBGYN actually is one more that actually is really to taken off. It's, it works beautifully. The acceptance rates are high. There are niche specialties where we can do a lot better. They are, the, they are probably the ones that I'm not mentioning right now. I'll give you a completely left field example. We actually just deployed in one of the largest veterinarian, you know, setups. This is not human medicine, but like, and it turns out the ASR needs way more tuning for wet terms because they're different. And suddenly we have a lot of work to do to actually catch up there. Behavioral, where you have long form, one hour long conversations with lots of novellas that have to be coming out of it. We are okay with, I think we still need to do a lot better in actually maintaining state for such a long time and being able to extract the right information. So did I answer your question? But that's generally how yeah. we are actually dealing with these. Definitely. It's fascinating to hear. I, I have about 6,000 other questions, but uh, <laughs> we're at time, uh, you know, but I'm sure we'll have. You're going to see me in two years, right? So <laughs> well, it's like I told everyone that I've had on, on this topic, I said, yeah, I could talk to you in six months and it will have a totally another story. Although it's probably more like two months, the way it's uh, evolving. It's progressing. So where can people go to learn more about Suki? And I'm sure some people are going to want to demo. Yeah, just go to suki.ai, www.suki.ai. You should be able to see demo videos there. We have published some of these numbers and information there. You can just tap there and, and uh, you know, start talking to somebody. Somebody can reach out to you and give you a live demo. The best part is, honestly, what we do is when we go into demos with customers, we actually just ask one of the customers to be a patient. And then we, and then we just... And you you will not believe the kind of things the people do to throw the AI off. They will like <laughs> talk about random stuff completely. Dis and, but but it does well. So you can go there and you can actually learn more. I think that the point I'll make to you is there is indeed a lot of noise in the system today. Yeah. But actually, on a more positive note, why did we start Suki or why did all of these people start their company? They started because they thought healthcare tech can finally help clinicians in a more useful and productive way, the promise of technology that's never really born properly might actually show up. Truth is, that's happening. 
whether it is Suki or Nuance or some other of the companies you mentioned, they're all well-meaning people building good technology. It's pushing tech forward. Clinicians are going to be happier. Better data will be created. Patient care will improve. The money will, instead of going into all these things, just to do administrative work and go into clinical science. So this is good. Yeah, It's actually a promising, promising world to be in. And in my humble opinion, we are all better off because of it today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Punita, I appreciate you taking time to share your story and the uh, you know continued evolution of Suki. And as you started, I think we're just at the beginning. So excited to continue following along with you. And uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks, Punita. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you.